Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. There's a cat over here. There's a cat over there. And the wrong one died. And the wrong one died. Welcome to The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have another amazing guest. He was on the World Caribbean Cruise Line's Oasis of the Sea as Tumble Brutus, and then he was also one of the twins. And then most recently, he is currently Bill Bailey in the 2019 Vienna Revival, which is still running. So thank you, Matthew Levick, uh, and thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I, I always love talking to a different production, which is uh, I've not talked to anybody from the Vienna production. And I also love talking to a character that I know a little bit less about. But before we dive into to really those two topics, which are going to be, I think are going to be key. I love hearing always your history with the show before being in the show. Like how, how familiar with you, like this, the show has been running for 40 plus years. How much did you know about it before you decided to get on the cruise ship and, and be Tumble Brutus? All right. Well, this is quite funny. To be honest, I had no idea about Cats. I mean, I knew Cats was a musical, but I had yeah, no idea what it was about. Um, and I actually was working for Royal Caribbean beforehand, and I had a contract lined up as an acrobat dancer on another ship. Anyway, the casting team of Royal Caribbean got in touch and say, hey, Matt, um, we're looking to fill the position of Tumble Brutus. Would you be interested? And I was a bit like, cats, Tumble Brutus? I don't know anything about cats. And at the time, I was not really so much into theatre. I was more like a dancer, acrobat, commercial side of the world. Um, and that came about. And I talked to my best friend at home, Sasha, and she is Kat's mega fan. I mean, when she was younger, she, you know, she was a Mungo Jerry Rumble teaser in her back garden, you know, and she was like, you need to do this show. You're perfect for it. And we sat down in her living room and we watched the 1998 movie. Yep. And she was pointing out, that's you. That's what you're going to do. That's what you're going to do. Anyway, one thing led to another. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm in Miami rehearsing for Cats, And it really, you know, it changed my whole perspective of where I wanted my career to go and what I saw myself as, as a performer. And it's really shaped me into who I am now. And I'm actually so grateful that I was contacted to be a part of the show. That's, that's pretty crazy. So that this is a, uh, it feels like a different version. Almost everyone I've talked to is either a singer or dancer and they're either like a theater junkie or yeah. they knew that this was their profession. And you were uh, acrobatic dancer doing stuff on, on the, on the cruise and you got asked and all of a sudden it's now completely changed your career trajectory. Absolutely. For the better, I'd say. Yeah, that is amazing. So you, uh, I would love to, it sounds like your friend Sasha needs to come on the show. Um, (laughs) so what was that experience like coming from knowing nothing to seeing that 1998 movie? It was interesting because at the back of my mind, I was always like, I wonder what like musical theater is like, like for some reason, I always thought I was not that kind of performer. So I never got into it. But the more I dwelled into the world of cats and theater, I realized that this is actually really cool. And 
it was the point when I got to Miami and I was meeting all different cast members and they were telling me who they are, what cats they play and all this stuff. I was just so confused. I was like, <laughs> okay, you're playing Tantamile. Who's Tantamile? Oh, you're Bomb Ballerina. Who's Bomb Ballerina? Um, but you quickly just click. No, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. As, as someone who saw a stage production yeah. without a lot of knowledge going in, yeah. and I've even watched the 1998 movie with more knowledge now, and, and I still, still can't imagine, like, you know, you, you had a friend pointing out, someone who was a fan pointing out what to yeah. watch. I watch it, you know, I've joked it, but it was true. I watched the first time on a plane on yeah. an iPad. And so I kind of, I had bought it. I was watching it on a plane on an iPad and I was so lost and everyone around me looked at me like I was crazy. And I just can't imagine the, you know, like this, all of a sudden you're kind of thrown into this whirlwind and you're learning about Bomb Arena and Mistopheles and Tugger and all these kind of crazy names and um, trying to figure out what it is. At the same time, knowing you're about to enter the show and be a performer and, and dancer as part of it. So I, that's pretty, pretty wild. What was that rehearsal process like for for you? Were were you kind of given a lot to like go as Tumble Brutus? Were you given a lot of backstory for Tumble Brutus, or was it really just focused on like, hey, you gotta you gotta really tumble and dance your way through this show? Here's kind of what what matters more. Yeah, well, the Royal Caribbean director Michael Clowers, he's absolutely a cat's junkie, and he made the work process so fun and so detailed that it really made me sort of force into the world of who this character was and how I need to portray it, not just as the character, but as the show in general, for example. Well, tell me more about that. What What is, how, how do you play Tumble Brutus and how does he fit into the story? Okay. So Tumble Brutus is the youngest kitten and he's a bit clumsy. He's you know, does all roly polies and he's just a fun little kitten and he doesn't really have a full grasp of the situation and the scenario of the night, so-called the Jellicle Ball. So uh, the other thing I was, uh, so I tried to look a little bit into Tom Brutus. What did you give his, were you given his three words? Yeah, I was. The funny thing is between the two productions I've done, two different companies have been given three different words and the words <laughs> were clumsy acrobatic and energetic okay so, i mean that's pretty describable words i know a lot of other cats have words who are kind of more tricky to you know interpret but i think mine are very simple and straightforward of who the character is and you know me personally as a person i am tumble bruises tumble brutus <laughs> i am i'm a bit clumsy I'm quite silly. I'm a humorous person and I think the role sort of fit me very naturally. So I think going into the show and the rehearsal process, I just took who I was as a person and used these three words to create a character that was, yes, the character, but also me. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's a, a, a cool part is when it does kind of embody you. I, I do find as someone who's not in an acting world or in, in the world at all, it's like I've, I've asked and wondered, is it more fun to be a character that's kind of like your personality or is it fun to be somebody that's the exact opposite of you? Because it feels like I've talked to both and yeah. there's some people it's like, I'm not at all this person. So it was really fun to portray that on stage um, or it's like, this is me. And so it's been really easy and fun too. 
Yeah, I I see it from both sides. I mean, I haven't really um, portrayed a character that is so not like me. So it's hard to say, but I think that is a very strong acting tool that one can have to play something that's totally not them. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to hear a little bit about the Oasis of the Sea experience, because it is different than, especially what you're doing now, where you're doing much more shows a week and to a paying crowd i guess is probably the better term you know a crowd that's actively seeking out your show versus being uh i think was three shows a week and you're it's a part of there so what was that experience like um what type of crowds and audiences did you get and tell me some crazy stories about your experience there i think the biggest difference between oasis and vienna is the audience And I think you've probably heard it before, but the Oasis, it's just not a cruise ship show. You know, you don't go on a seven-day holiday to watch Cats. I mean, if you would, I think if I was going on a cruise ship throughout the Caribbean, I would want to see something fun and energetic. And not that Cats isn't, but it's just very artistic show. And And you can definitely see the difference coming from that world of, you know, holiday makers to a world in Vienna, for example, where people pay so much money to watch this particular show. Yeah, and that was a part that I kind of was thinking back when I started learning about the Oasis of the Sea performances is that it's a two and a half hour plus show. And I kept thinking of all the cruises I've ever been on in my life, has there ever been a time where I've sat down inside, you know, like not out of the pool for that long for any of these things, it's like, no, it's probably 30 minutes, 60 minutes, a little variety show or comedy show. Yeah. But a full musical production is a different experience. And especially something that I believe it's non-paid, right? You just come and grab seats or you, you ask for seats because you've already paid for the cruise. Did you, was that, how challenging was that though? With a, I guess a passive audience more than a, a audience that's really there to see. Um, well, it's all we knew at the time. And that was my first time doing cats. So, you know, my white cat at the time, she said, you know, I'm not doing it for the audience. I'm doing it for myself. And as soon as I got that in my system, you just learn to knock out the audience and just do it for yourself. Enjoy it. Because some days it can be really crappy when you were like cats, especially going balls to the walls with your energy and you're just not getting anything back for the audience. And I think that was the the most challenging part of oasis was this audience not giving you what you're giving to them and mm-hmm. i think that is a big difference with vienna is you have so much energy coming towards the stage that sometimes you don't have the energy to give back you know yeah it is such a physically demanding show and such a you know there's a lot of history of injuries because of how hard it is and so to think about that um and, and then know that the crowd is, is there, you know, and potentially leaving an intermission or, um, or dipping out is I think it's challenging. I think it's interesting to hear that it's all f- about for you. Um, so I, I, I kind of like that, that I, idea you did. It seems like you did two different, uh, tours on the Oasis of the Sea. Is that true? Yeah. So I, I did my first full contract as Tumble Brutus and then, I moved to London to try out the scene there. And then I was contacted again by Royal Caribbean because the cast after me, the Corrigan had injured himself and they had asked if I was available. And it was actually funny because I was at an audition for like a sort of more regional theater version of Cats. 
when I got this email and I got actually cut from the, from the audition. And I was a bit like, Oh, I've done the original show. I can't even get through the audition for like a regional production. And I looked at my phone and it's like, Hey Matthew, we need a Corrie replacement ASAP. Would you be interested? And at the time I was really sort of down and a bit like I wasn't working and I just felt really unmotivated with my career. And then I was like, yep let's go let's do it when do you need me and they said can you leave tomorrow and I was like um yeah sure so I went back home and I packed my bags and I flew to Jamaica and I joined um Kat as Karikapat for a few months and that was so fun because I was with a different cast playing a different role and it was just a different atmosphere but it was also so much fun to rejoin the show Mm-hmm. what is it i guess what's the process like when you have played one character for so long and then you're coming in as another character which is a different dance number and i mean obviously you're an experienced and a dancer and a tumbler um, but then also you i think you covered mistopheles so you also had to kind of be ready to cover that dance number as well what's that process like for me personally i don't think it's as challenging i think you step in knowing what you're in for And when you are in the show, you know, I mean, you never know, but for example, I know I'm only the second cover of Mistopolis, for example. So I know the chances of me going on are quite rare. So as long as you can slowly work your way up to the standard of being Mistopolis, you have the time to take the character and being in the show three, four times a week, you know that you're seeing that character all the time. Yeah. You know, so you sort of are learning while doing the show. Yeah, it does because you're kind of you know interacting with that character, and then you get to kind of embrace them a little bit. And then, yeah. I mean, I, I find the whole learning totally different dance tracks to be mind blowing. But then I I think about <laughs> you know this is your profession, and you know all the talents, yeah. talented people that do this. It's probably not as difficult. I mean, I don't want to downplay it. It's probably extremely difficult, but it's it's something that you're good at and used to doing. Yeah. So. Two tours. Uh, it sounds like we're you know military, but two two different cruise <laughs> ships uh, experiences. And then talk me through how Vienna pops up. Okay, so this is another funny story. I go back to London after my Corrie contract, and I'm there for about a month. And my agent contacts me and says, "Hey, Matt, this Vienna cats they're auditioning for these three roles because." They were sort of short on time and they hadn't found a Carbuckety, Bill Bailey, or a swing to cover those roles. Um, and I was a bit like, oh, I've just done Cats twice. I sort of want to move in another direction. But I'll go to the audition anyway. And I go to the audition. And it was one of those things where, you know, they were tight for time. And I had done the show before. And I knew as soon as I was in that room, I was like, okay, maybe this is meant to be because. I'm sort of the only one here who is tumbling and dancing. So it was sort of a mind twirl. And then I left the audition and within an hour, because the contract started three weeks later after this audition, and I got home an hour later and my agent called me and he was a bit cheeky and it was like, oh, hey, how did the audition go? And I was like, yeah, I actually think I really well. And he's like, oh, well, it must have gone well because you got the job. And I was like, <laughs> wait, what? I was like, I just came out of the audition and anyone who knows theatre, sometimes it can take months and months before you hear anything and I'm hearing an hour after the audition. So then, you know, 
all of a sudden I'm like, okay, need to change my life perspectives and my goals because I'm moving to Vienna in three weeks. Um, and I moved to Vienna and I must say it was the most overwhelming thing I've ever done in my life. I didn't really know Austria or Vienna. It's all, everyone speaks German. It was just very overwhelming experience. And I remember going through the rehearsal period and the only thing I had to focus on was the language because I knew the show. And I think that was a very cool benefit for me. So I could just focus on learning the German and really getting to know the city and my surroundings and whatever, because as I said, it was very overwhelming. And then we opened and that's when I sort of settled down and I was like, okay, this is where I'm going to be for the next 11 months. And then that year passed, Corona happened. And then we opened again, we closed again, we opened again, and now we've closed again. And I've been here almost two and a half years, but I must say that it was sort of meant to be because I really feeling at home in Vienna and I love the show so much here. Yeah. And, and it's, I think you are going to be opening again. So it is a, it's just more of a break. The, um, I want to hear a little bit about the learning the show in a new language. Cause did you know any German at all before you got there? I did not. So when I got the job in London, I spent the next three weeks sort of preparing what I needed to prepare and I was just gone like Duolingo. If you know languages, yeah. <laughs> Duolingo is what everyone uses. And I'm like trying to learn Guten Tag, like good day. Like I had no idea about the language. Anyway, coming to the show, I think I picked it up easier than I thought because I knew the music and I knew the show. So instead mm-hmm. of worrying about the music and the harmonies and stuff, I'm just sort of learning new words. And the process was actually a lot easier than I thought. And we did a lot, a lot of phonetic lessons. Um, So that's meaning that I had one-on-one sessions with a German phonetic coach pronouncing my lines, the whole show, one-on-one. And I think it was so overwhelming, especially learning Skimbleshanks, which is so fast, and learning it in another language that you don't understand, you don't know what you're saying. And... That was definitely a challenge. I remember going to rehearsals almost every day with my notebook on the train, word by word, learning the lyrics. Um, But as soon as it's in your body and it's, you know, cats, it's very repetitive. So you're doing it every day and eventually it just sits. And then after a while, you you sort of forget about the language. Mm -hmm. So you were, I know you're you're Bill Bailey, but then you were swing. So who else, you said Skimble Shanks, who else did you have to learn to cover? So I was Bill Bailey in my last two contracts, but now I'm changing to swing. So I'm going to be doing Bill Bailey, Carbacadi, Coric, Pat, Alonso, and Mistopheles. Okay. So you are, I guess, I, it just is, it blows my mind, the learning in a new language. I, I'm, I do, I, I, I love hearing it's like, okay, well, I know the dancing. I already know the numbers. I know that part. So I do just have to focus on not even the, and you know, the music, it's just purely the, the words and the, yeah. and the phonetics. Do you, did you like, do you feel like you learned the language and the words or was it just, you were singing out whatever it kind of felt like? Or like, I, I guess part of me, maybe it's just the humorous version of me. I keep thinking like you're walking around Austria and all you're talking about is like memory and trains and, um, and just whatever, you know, the songs are, 
those are like the only part of German you know now. Like, have you picked up the language through this, or is it just part of like now? Just you know how to sing those songs. I mean, at first, I must say, I had no idea what I was saying. I mean, the translation is somewhat equal to English, but then there's some parts which are completely different. And at times, you just like you're just speaking what you've learned, but you have no idea what you're saying. Um, and that was really strange. But over time, I've consciously learned the language. So now I know what I'm saying. And I think I got to a point when I was like, you know, I'm doing this every day and I'm listening and I'm singing in this language. Why don't I consciously learn what I'm actually saying? So I definitely took the time and I did private German lessons to pick up the language and also in my own time learning the German script, what it actually translated to and what it meant. And I think because of that, it definitely helped my progression of learning German a lot faster. Yeah, that makes that makes a ton of sense. I just, it is such a wild thing to think about going from doing it in English to doing it in, in any language, let alone German, which is a fairly um, harsh language. So it's, it is it is kind of a... Uh, an interesting one to think about singing sometimes such beautiful songs that are being translated into a heavy consonant uh, filled language. Yeah. I think the beauty of it is from my side, I've done the show in English in a language that is my language. So I I've been through that experience and I think what a few people in my cast, for example, find hard is this is their first contract of cats, Mm. but German isn't their native language. So they just don't really, understand what is being said completely you know and i think i have the satisfaction of knowing what that is in english that's an an interesting part too because i do like in english watching it i feel like it's a fairly challenging story to follow um obviously that's kind of the what what i've made fun of the whole time is the story um but trying to pick that up in a new language and just, again, just being able to perform it and then actually be able to understand it and try to embody the three words and everything else that you need to know about the character has to be crazy difficult. I'd love to hear a little bit about the, uh, like the Austrian audience. Like, you you know, you said that it is a, a very energetic audience, like how this has been on for a while now, this is a revival. So it's been at least multiple tours there um, uh, of being there what is the reaction like from from the crowds there well theater in vienna is huge i mean like our production we have one of the biggest casts we have a huge orchestra i think 27 or 28 people in the orchestra which is huge um beautiful huge theater i think it comes from the culture of theater in vienna that it is so massive okay so it is a already a like you know it's just a common part of what happens people go to theater pretty pretty um frequently is it and so i guess they're going to be knowledgeable about the history of the show and so so people there yeah so cats here it came opened in london in 1981 then followed broadway and then followed vienna and it ran in Vienna for seven, eight, or eight years in the 80s. So, and this is the first revival that's been done here since. So, I think a lot of people come to see the show because of its history in Vienna as well, as it also being such a huge, successful show worldwide. Yeah, that makes sense. So, it's a this is a revival. It's almost Broadway ish of like it was here yeah. 
20, yeah. 20, almost 30 years ago. And now it's, it's, it's back. Basically the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the characters. I mean, we talked a little bit about Tumble Brutus's like personality, but there's a couple of things I want I want to try to clarify and just kind of ask your opinion on 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 the backstories of these characters because there's I haven't talked a ton about Tumble Brutus and Bill Baby. So my in, interpretation is that's the same character just with a different name. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. I'm. I mean, I'm not exactly sure why the names changed between the U.S. and so say the European UK version, but it is the same character. So, okay. So you're, so it's the exact same three words, same characters, same everything. Just they change the name because why, why not? There's so many names thrown in, in uh, the naming of cats. So one other thing I read, and I don't know if this is, I kind of want to validate this, but it does, you do not do the dance with Victoria, right? That is now Plato or Alonzo. Yes, that is Plato. However, so, I know in certain productions it has been Bill Bailey, Tumble Bruce. Yeah. So it was. So what I read was it was pre nineteen ninety eight. It was Bill Bailey. So I guess I was yeah. curious if that's something that you was even discussed, or if it was ever just like, no, we're not doing this anymore. This is the person doing that kind of coming of age dance with Victoria. Yeah, I mean, from my experience, I was never asked to do it. It was just always Plato Admetus who who did that with Victoria. Okay. And then my other kind of question about Tumble Brutus and Bill Bailey being the youngest cats. Yeah. Do you feel that you even have a, like a chance to be picked as a jokeful choice as the ball? <laughs> or are you just kind of there? I think I'm just sort of there, but my character choices indicate that I'm young and a bit silly. And I think, you know, if grandma can be voted, so can I. So I add that into my character a bit as a joke, but I think deep down, I know that I'm, I'm young and no, I'm not going to the heavy side layer. Okay. So you, you, um, of course you have to play it because like everyone's eligible, although that's yeah. debatable because I'm not sure if old Deuteronomy is, but you gotta, <laughs> you gotta put your best foot forward. But you kind of know. Okay, that was uh, yeah, that's kind of the way I thought about it too. But I, it is an interesting piece because it's everyone kind of wants to in the ball make yeah. their case. And what do you do for the young, the younger kittens, especially the youngest one that is kind of a um, rambunctious? Maybe that's the right term. I'm trying yeah. to think of the right word. I would call I would call uh, Tumble Brutus, Bill Bailey. I, I like that it's just renaming people. That's uh, the other one in the U.S. is they renamed somebody to peter which is my pet peeve i don't like peter in the <laughs> broadway revival yeah um what let's jump into some rapid fire i want to talk about a couple i want to ask a couple kind of quick questions about this and then um and then talk about grisabella and, and my thesis here but who uh you've played a lot you're swinging for multiple cats but if there was just if you could do any role any gender any character anything in the um in the show which track would you want to do one time bomb Arena. Yeah, hands bomb. down. I don't know. I just think that is if I was a woman and I was sexy, that would be me. I think that is just such a fun role. You get to do a bit of best world. You get to sing. You get to dance. You get to be sexy. And hands down, that's who I would choose to be. I still think that that number has turned into one of my favorite songs. Where yeah. in the cavities, where it's just like it's so catchy. It um, is so catchy. Who is your favorite and least favorite cat? 
Oh, that's a really tricky one. It depends what you want to, from what side you want to know. I think my favorite cat overall would probably be on the arena. Okay. For the same reasons mentioned before. And I think my least favorite cat, oh, I don't know. I think maybe Carbacody Pounceable. The other, the other young ones. Yeah. Yeah, probably. What are the other angles you could answer that question from? Like as Bill Bailey, Tomo Brutus, or like what are the, you said multiple ways you could answer this. I don't know. I think that Carbuckety and Bill Bailey are sort of the two young boys. And I think, you know, from the way I play the character is, you know, I want to outshine. I want to be the young little funny boy. And I think when you have a competition like Carbuckety, you know, you don't want him there. And I think it makes me be like, you know, you don't need to be here. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I do find it really interesting that you kind of, the character you play almost skews that answer. Yeah, because you, play, you spend so much time in that role that you have this like, um, not animosity, but you have to embrace kind of that like that rivalry there. Yeah, and it's like it's, an internal it's, story. Yeah, it's like it's part of, it just becomes part of you then. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite song from the show? I would have to say Memory. Memory, just the yeah. classic. The classic. I think it just, it doesn't get old. I mean, that's how I knew Cats before I knew Cats. My brother used to sing that song, taking the piss out of that song when we were really young, not knowing where the song came from, but I always knew that. And doing the show now, you realize what that show means and the, the journey grisabella has gone on. And I think that song is so beautiful and it never really gets old. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I agree. That's the only song I knew going in. Um, it's not the song I... I like. I still love it. It's still such a, a powerful belt. Um, but it's for me. It's always it's McCavity now. But it changes. It was Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teaser when I first saw it. That one was uh-huh. stuck in my head for for weeks. Yeah. The thing is, uh, there's so many of the so many of the songs are so catchy, and I think maybe it just depends on your mood. Yeah. What song what's, you your, like? what's your favorite one in German to perform? <sighs> oh, I don't know. In German, maybe the opening. The opening. Yeah, it's fun. Okay. And so you know, it's a build-up of of lyrics and and dialogue that, and then it sort of blasts off into this big opening with everyone. And I think it's really fun. Yeah, that's uh that's fun. I, I really want to see other versions of the show now. Like, I want to see a German version just just to experience it. Um, but I've got to figure out how to get across the pond to, to yeah. get there. Um, which cat do you think? would be living their best life on a cruise ship as a cat as a you know if they're the personality wise like which one is taking that seven day cruise and and really living it up <laughs> i think again i would have to say probably bomb Arena. yeah just you know she's the girl at the bar she is walking she's sunbathing she's on the cocktails but you know she's living the dream yeah, I, I can I can totally see that. She's got her day. She's at the club at nights and at the bar, and um, yeah, kind of embracing everything that the boat has to offer. Yeah. I've always said, um, I've always said Buster Jones because I think he's at every full you know buffet and you know throwing money down at the casino, and I, that's yeah. how I, I think he's taking full advantage of everything on uh, that ship. Yeah, somewhat, but I think Buster Jones is a bit too posh for the cruise ship oh, okay i think you know he's in, the, 
he's in the back streets at the clubs that you know you need to be on the list to get into. I don't think yeah. he's on the on the Royal Caribbean Caribbean cruise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's probably on his own own yacht. Yeah, um, amazing. Okay, so the million dollar question, uh, which is what I've argued at length. So I hope you know that this question was coming. But I don't think Grizabella should be the Jellicle choice. So I'd love to hear if you agree with me. Um, who would you want to send to the Heaviside Lair? And if you do think it's Grizabella, let's 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 hear the defense. Oh, okay. I mean, I don't want to say no. I think if anyone else, it would be Gus. But then Gus, he's had a good life, you know. He's he's ready to go. So if it's not Gus, I would I would have to say Grizabella. I think she deserves a chance and what's to be the, reborn yeah as i say give me the like give me the the why though like why is she more deserving than everyone else that's putting their name in the in the hat i think that everyone else is sort of okay at this moment of choice on this night besides gus who's very old i think everyone else can last another year or doesn't necessarily need to be chosen but i think on this particular day at this particular moment grisabella is definitely the one who needs the chance so i find that argument really interesting and i've heard it a couple times that it's a everyone else can make it through next year everyone i mean let's take gus out of the equation because gus is a very common um argument non-grisabella but i find that grisabella argument really interesting because it's like a we're rewarding somebody with the biggest prize of our year because yeah. they need it versus maybe deserve it. And I find that part really like that's not the the, the okay. angle I first took, but it's the part that is kind of as I've heard more and more people say, like, she's not gonna make it next year. And so yep. she needs it. She she has to have it or or she's done. My question is, is that why does she deserve it though? She's yeah, coming back. She abandoned the the tribe. Like I can get the, that she needs it, but does that mean that she should still be picked? It's mm. it's a tricky one when you use those words need or deserve. I think that definitely changes his perspective, and I don't think she necessarily deserves it. And it, I think it really depends on how you personally interpret the show. And I don't really have a defense because, you know. I think no one besides Gus, for example, needs to be chosen. Mm-hmm. Or deser- I agree with that. Yeah. And I think a lot of people deserve to be chosen, but I don't think anyone is at a point where they need to go to the heavyside layer besides Grizabella. I, so I, I don't disagree with that. I think it's Gus and Grizabella are the two with need. But yeah. I then question old Deuteronomy of – are we just picking the person that kind of that you know that's that has to go versus that deserves to go? And it's like then then I'm questioning: Am I in the right cult? Because it's, that's what the the Jelkles are. They're a cult. Let's let's not dance around it too much. So they're a cult, and, <laughs> and if we're just going to pick the person that's like the the least healthy every year, then why am I even performing? Yeah. Like I'm going to put here's why I deserve it, and then they're just not going to pick it. I need to like collapse on the ground like Isabella. <laughs> I think somewhat she is deserving. I mean, I know at the beginning of the show, she's like, why is she here? Get out of here. You don't deserve this. You don't, you know. But then as she keeps begging and begging and she she shows you what she's been through. I mean, she was once a jellical, you know, and all she wants is to be reborn and to relive and show who she really is or really was. 
Mm-hmm. So I think somewhat she is deserving of it, even though in it sort of happens so suddenly. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm not. I'm not here to change everyone's mind. I'm just here to change most people's mind, and so <laughs> I uh, and in, and influence the backstory of the show. That's that's my goal with this. So yeah. um, I appreciate your you know the way you're you're approaching it, the thoughtfulness. And I'm glad that you're just like, ah, yeah. oh, maybe she doesn't deserve it. So I'm getting there. I'm getting there with each yeah. person, slowly but yeah. surely. Um, so you are you're reopening um, in Vienna. How can people come see the show if they are in Austria? If they are in Austria. Well, if they want to come see you. I mean, you're going to be reopening soon? Yeah, so we're reopening in September. I think the easiest thing to do is just pop online or come to the theater box office and just get your tickets. I mean, Vienna is such a popular tourist destination. And I think if you're here, why not see the show in another language? Absolutely. I mean, it sounds like a... And it's it's one of the biggest biggest Cats productions that has ever been around. So... I think everyone needs to witness that. Everyone should definitely come. If they are traveling to Austria or in Austria, you should go see it. Um, How else can we stay in touch with you on social media and keep up with everything else you're doing? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram. I post how I do, where I am, what I'm doing, where I'm at. Um, And my link is at Matthew Levick on Instagram. Come find me. Well, thank you so much for uh, jumping on, recording, um, sharing your experience of, of multiple different productions and, and enlightening me a little bit on Bill Bailey. I, I was uh, not as familiar uh, until this episode, so I appreciate you sharing, sharing your knowledge and your experiences. Thank you for being here and thank you for listening to this episode of The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the cat's atrophy. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Wrong Cat Died or check out our website, thewrongcatdied.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.